Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. And would you look at that, 2020, it's officially coming to a close here. We're already in Week 17 with a meaningful game that has the fate of the season in the balance against our bitter rival. Can it get much better? Well, I guess that maybe depends on who you ask. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm very excited that you're here for our final regular season preview episode this year. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we'll be treating this preview show differently than we have in the past. I'll explain why in just a moment, but first, Nick, this, man, this can be very well our final game preview episode of the year. I know that you and I were treating it like it could be our last, but here we are. Bears, Packers, it all comes down to this. Are you as anxious as I am? Oh, absolutely. Well, anxious is a perfect word, and I was just telling my girlfriend about the Bears, Packers, and this possibly being it for the season and kind of brushing her up on all the other games between the Bears and the Packers, and all that did was get me more excited for this game, but also anxious, like you just said, so absolutely. I feel every emotion now. It's only Wednesday. I can't imagine by the time we get to the weekend, Sunday night, or Sunday morning, Saturday night, like I am, I'm already kind of preparing myself for everything that's going to at least transpire internally between now and then. I couldn't imagine as a player how this could feel. And Nick, before we can explain why or why we will explain why this preview show is going to be a little different than some of the previous ones, I do want to take a moment for each of us just to quickly share our initial perceptions of the Green Bay Packers. And I have one bullet point in my notes and is potential number one seed in the NFC. Like how much more do we need to say? No, that's exactly a great way to kind of frame this. Both these teams are obviously playing for something. And the Bears just to get into the dance and the Packers to kind of get a week off as they kind of go through their journey. But what I had down here, Will, for like my initial perception uh, and just kind of looking at this game in the history of it, I mean, the Bears at 95 wins, Packers at 100. This, is a two, this will be the 202nd time these two teams have met. But we know that this really has been much of a rivalry for these two teams. And this is why this game is, is very important for not just only the Bears' future this season, but really the future moving forward for a lot of these players and a lot of the people that are in the higher up in the Chicago's organization. I mean, just thinking about the last decade, there was the game that we let the Packers into the playoffs. They won the Super Bowl that season, beating us in the NFC Championship game. Since that year, I think the Bears have won three of these games. Obviously, that was a huge moment 
in this rivalry that shifted it completely out of our balance here in Chicago. You look at the Packers squandering some postseason uh, dreams of ours here in the past as well. So we've seen, unfortunately, two very horrific ends of this spectrum. And now they come in with the chance to lock up a number one seed. They're looking to beat, excuse my language, the piss. I don't know if that's a bad word, not for the podcast, out of the Bears this week. So we're going to get them at their best. And it's going to be a huge measuring stick, a huge challenge for the Chicago Bears if they want to keep their hopes alive and entering the postseason. They have to prop more than likely, especially with what's going on with the Cardinals versus the Rams with the quarterback situations. It looks like the Bears really will need to punch their own ticket into the postseason. And Nick, should we just explain why today's going to be a, a little bit differently? Yeah, I think we should just, uh, as you always say, you know, peel the Band-Aid off mm. or however we want to get get this going here. But I think for it's it's obviously I, it's the final one, right, Will? And I think we're just going to take a different approach. I think you should explain it because you came up with the idea, and it seems like a really good one. All right. So as you know, Nick and I, we talk about every talking point that we believe is pertinent before each and every game. And at the end, we share our predictions. And you know we have that fun bet. Loser at the end of the year has to dress up in NFC North gear that is uh, picked out by the loser. Uh, that was just made up on the spot, actually pre-live, because we need some stipulations here. And Nick and I, we both... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night for a limited time save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. sit here tight we're both 10 and 5 picking games so far this season and Nick you came out with an article today that really showed me your cards a little bit of where you were kind of leaning in terms of your game pick and I was already leaning the opposite direction so I think what may be best would be kicking off this preview show with each of us letting the audience know who we believe will win and then throughout the show we'll frame each of our conversations around why we believe our side's going to be the correct result how's that sound yeah, that's a perfect way to set it up. And, Will, do you want me to start off with who I'm picking? If you haven't read my article, um, it, like you said, Will, it does show my hand on what I think was going will happen this Sunday. But I, I'm wearing a Bears Bears hat, and I will always be a Bears fan, you guys. That, that'll never change. But for this Week 17 matchup, I am picking the Green Bay Packers to win. Not ending it, – it could end the Bears' season, but I am picking the Packers to, to win this game. And Nick, of course, you are picking incorrectly, which is awesome for me because then I already know I win the bet. I don't have to worry about going through that humiliation uh, that's going to unfold when you have to wear all of that NC North gear out and about one day here in public. Uh, so kudos to you for uh, doing that. But no, I have the Bears winning. I'm excited to explain why as we go throughout this show obviously it's not going to be an easy task they're going to have to be at their at their a game if they want to go ahead and pull out this victory Um, but based off of what I've seen from this team this season what I've seen out of them over the last few weeks and the growth I believe there's a very strong chance and that's why I'm going to put all my eggs into the Chicago Bears basket but let's go ahead Nick and get into the content of today's show and let's begin with our three and out, and let's look at the Bears' offense here. 
and talk about some high stakes. Mitchell Trubisky, he is entering this Week 17 matchup for all the marbles and what could be the final game that he plays as a Chicago Bear with a win and in situation going up against our biggest rival, a team that he's won in five against in his career. Everything is setting up for this week to be for better or for worse, perhaps Mitch's defining moment. Now, he struggled against the Packers over the past two seasons. He hasn't completed more than 57% of his passes. He's thrown five interceptions in his previous three games against the Packers as well. However, Mitch is playing perhaps the best football of his career. He's led his unit to achieve things that no other Bears offense has accomplished in quite some time, like the four games of 30 or more points scored for the first time since 1965. And Trubisky, he's really been slinging it. So when we're starting off this conversation, the question really is, can Mitch find a way to step up in a do-or-die game against a team that's owned the Bears over the 10-plus seasons? And Nick... You don't think so? No, no, Will, I don't. And you've put all the stats of what Mitch has done against the Green Bay Packers, and I think it's just this matchup for him where a lot of things go wrong. We saw in the very first, you know, the game just a month ago what happened, and that was Mitch Trubisky's first game back from being benched, but a lot of the same mistakes that he had made, you know, earlier that season, 2018, his rookie season, showed up in that game. Again, it's prime time, a lot of huge stakes at that game, but they're even bigger now, and everybody knows of the pressure that they're going to be in. So I'm just thinking Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe he has done so much better since that Green Bay Packers game. He really has, but it's still the Packers' will. And there's, you know at some point in the game he's going to make that throw, like he did in Jacksonville or have the fumble that he did in Detroit, where he has these, these question marks where you're just wondering, what is he thinking? So that's what's concerning about me. And then also the other side of it, he has to go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. Drive for drive because this Bears defense hasn't shown you anything. So I just think there's a lot on his shoulders, a lot on his throwing arm to really keep the Bears in this game. Okay. Now, to start this off, I agree with everything that you're saying here. He can't have those mistakes. We've seen him against Green Bay. We saw a mistake against Jacksonville. And I am hard-pressed still, though, Nick, to find a perfect quarterback in the NFL. Just saying. I look out there, I see quarterbacks making mistakes week in, week out. What the problem has been for Mitch, especially when you go up against the Packers, when you look at the previous three games, he's averaging 48 passing attempts per game in those three games against Green Bay. That's the problem. That is everything that you need to know. He's being asked to do too much. Unfortunately, the last game he had a play from behind for the vast majority due to mistakes on offense, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, as well as, Nick, you mentioned, the defense was just not showing any resistance whatsoever. On top of that, Mitch has not had the most help from his offensive line in these contests. Green Bay has done a great job of putting pressure on him. He's being sacked over three times per game against the Packers throughout the last three games as well, and he mentioned it turnovers that ball security is always an issue he has five picks in the last three games against Green Bay and in the very first contest against them this year he had three fumbles in that game he lost one but he fumbled that ball three separate times but when I look at Mitch over the last few weeks and I know the defenses haven't been one of the betters in the league they're actually towards the bottom tier but what I'm seeing and what I like is even if he does make that mistake like Jacksonville he doesn't make another one If he makes that mistake in another interception earlier in this game sequence, he finds a way to learn from it. He doesn't stack mistakes on top of each other like we we see earlier in his career, like we saw against Green Bay. And I believe in a situation with 
really the trajectory of his career on the line, that's a lot of pressure. And I hope he's up to the challenge of if he does get forced into a mistake early or if he does make a bad read, a bad throw, whatever happens, he fumbles the ball. He doesn't let that become another issue or another couple of mistakes down the road. What I've seen out of him lately is a quarterback that can move on from a mistake and play better after the fact. And I'm hoping this week, if one happens, which history says we'll see something in terms of turnover, that he can at least make sure it doesn't turn into additional miscues and stepbacks for this team. So only two things on that, Will, with the – just, I think the first matchup maybe is not the best one to look at when seeing how Trubisky has played because he's gotten better at that, and I think he's limited the mistakes. But what happened in that first matchup and what scares me in this one, and that's why I'm just very reluctant to, to put my eggs in the, in the Bears' basket, is that those turnovers that he did make, they did lead the 21 points to the Packers. And the one was the interception, happened in, I believe that's the second quarter now. It was a 3-13 to game. Packers go on to turn that interception to a touchdown. The next drive for the Bears, the fumble return for the touchdown. And look, that fumble return shouldn't have happened. Let's be completely honest. That is a face mask that should be called at any given time. Again, it's the Packers. They get those calls. But two back-to-back mistakes for Mitchell Trubisky. And I don't know when the Jacksonville could have been a pick six that I kind of, we forget about because it didn't result in anything. But right. it does – it's just those mistakes will – the Packers of all teams capitalize on those and not like the Jacksonville Jaguars or, or things like that. So that's what concerns me, but he is playing better. And if the run game helps him out, I think you limit the mistakes. You limit the opportunities for, for Mitch to make those mistakes. And then we're, maybe this discussion is not as um, maybe a focal point, but that's what is the big thing on my mind. Okay. So for you, even that fumble shouldn't have happened, not for the face mask, but that play should have never have happened. The Bears should have never been. That came on a third and long. That was already converted. It was like a third and seven. They hit Darnell Mooney. They moved the chains. Leno had a holding, brought it back. Leno let up the sack, hence the fumble. And so to me, that's more of an offensive line problem, which they're on our list as well to talk about today than maybe a Mitch. Obviously, ball security, he has to hold on to that thing. He needs to be holding it higher up, closer to his body. I get it. But unfortunately, this is more of a case of the Bears unraveling themselves. And the issue I have with that deep shot that he took, that was an interception, or maybe the non-issue I have with it, we haven't seen that since because they've been very meticulous and having longer drives up, taking some of those unnecessary risks. And I don't expect them in a game with all the, you know all the marbles on the table for them to take some of those shots unless they really, really need to. And on top of that, before this game got completely out of whack last time we played Green Bay, I thought the Bears were moving the ball well. They moved the ball down to the red zone the first drive. They just couldn't execute when they got down there. Montgomery had a really big run. We started to see glimpses of what that offensive line can do. And then from there, it's just mistakes after mistakes after they were showing promising drives. So if they can find a way to eliminate the mistakes, I expect Trubisky to be able to move the ball on this Packers defense like he did last time, but probably even more efficiently, if that makes sense, just based off of what we've been seeing and their identity that's been formed over the past month. Yeah, I would agree with that, Will. And look, I don't think it's going to be a 41-10 to game entering the fourth quarter. I, I don't believe that's going to be the case. So I think if that could, if the Bears can you know, get away from that scenario, they can play their offensive game plan, running the ball with David Montgomery, and keep this a closer game in the second outing. And that's what we need. We can't be playing from multiple scores behind if we want to have a legitimate shot at 
coming away with the victory. And one other thing I mentioned, and then we got to move on, only two interceptions in his last four games. So since that Green Bay game, he's only thrown two interceptions, which is about, I think it's like the third least amount. It's zero, one, or two. Huh, get it? But it's there's not many <laughs> quarterbacks with zero, a few with one, a lot with two, and then there's a few with uh, more than him. But just saying he's been taking care of the football. Uh, and obviously defenses haven't been as advantageous, but I look at that Minnesota game as still one that – uh, gives me a thumbs up when I look back at it. Like, he did pass that test. We'll see if we can do it again. All right, moving forward. One area that the Bears can do to help Mitch, as we know, heavy doses of David Montgomery in the running game. And this may be more important than ever this week, as I can't think of a better game plan to limit Aaron Rodgers than keeping him off the field. The Bears were just destroyed in time of possession the last time out. The Packers had the ball for 15 minutes more than the Bears. Yes, that's an entire quarter uh, if you're keeping track at home. Montgomery, he had over 100 yards, but only 11 carries and only 16 as a team. But we mentioned Green Bay had that huge lead early on, and that killed any chance of the Bears realistically sticking to the run as much as anyone would like. But we did see, as I mentioned, that big 57-yard run early in the game, which was a good indicator of that new offensive line at the time, what they were able to do. And since then, I think everyone listening can agree that that unit has only continued to get better. But still, it's important for the Bears offensively to impose their will on the ground, chew the clock, control the game flow would be really key in this matchup as well. And they've done that lately. Montgomery, he's been red hot. The Bears were at fifth in the NFL over their last three weeks, averaging about 165 rush yards per game. So, Nick, when you look at Green Bay's defense, what challenges do you see and where's your mindset the Bears' ability to run the football? I think and I'm going to just give you my two cents of where I think your mindset is. I bet you you're going to say you believe the Bears can run the ball. The problem will be with the opportunities, too, if the defense, and we'll talk about them later, if they kind of have the same kind of outing that they did the prior time. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of my mindset that I have for this, how I see this shaping out. But I will say this, even though the rush defense for the Packers is seen as like the weak point of this team, they have been pretty good over the last five games. And they just played Derrick Henry, right, on Sunday Night Football just last Sunday. And he was averaging 113 point, or he was averaging close to 117 point yards per game. The, they held them 23 carries, 96 yards. 156 yards total. But when you look at the, the last five games for the Packers, the best game that a running back had was David Montgomery uh, about a month ago with those 11 carries for 103 yards. So, I'm optimistic that the Bears now, with this offensive line, with Sam Mustafer now having, what, four games of experience since that first one that they had in Green Bay, he's only gotten better. So is Alex Bars and Cody Whitehair. We've seen how efficient he could be. But since that game for the Packers, they've been pretty stout at keeping these running backs in check. And if they if that's the, the case for this game, then we just talked about it, like the game plan for the Bears changes. But... I like how the Bears have been running the football. David Montgomery should have had 100 yards even last week against Jacksonville, giving him, what, four out of the last five games or five out of whatever it would have been. He was only five yards away from 100. So the Bears are doing a lot of good things rushing the football. I just want to see how now both those teams, the Bears rushing attack's gotten better since that Green Bay Packers game. The Green Bay Packers rush defense has gotten better since that, that Bears game. So now let's see what this looks like week 17. What is that? Five weeks later to see who actually gets the the upper edge in that one. For sure. We'll talk about who officially has the edges later. Uh, I I think I kind of already tipped my hand. I believe the Bears can run the football. I think they will run the football. They know how important it's going to be 
It's December. It's cold. If you can run through guys, if you can play that smash-mouth type of game, it helps us that tone. It helps wear a defense down, and I think that's something we saw Green Bay do a tremendous job with against us last time. They wore this defense down. The Bears were exhausted physically. They were exhausted mentally. And we'll talk about them again in a little bit, but that's something that the Bears need to try to find a way to do is wear down that Packers defense, and David Montgomery is a great way to do so with his uh, ability to always fall forward, fight through tackles. not easy to bring down because if guys have to exert more energy and effort to bring down the back, then they're going to get tired quicker. And that's, to me, uh, it's going to be a big key. And again, game flow, time of possession. David Montgomery is pivotal in those key areas this week, and that's why the Bears will lean on him. It's going to be up to the the game to determine if they can stick with him, um, but I'm hopeful that it can end up being the case. If the Bears can get into the second half and be able to have the whole playbook available, running and throwing, they should be in a really good position uh, to at least put themselves in contention to win this game. And Nick, I already mentioned that you know Mitch, he didn't have a lot of help from his offensive line in his previous few games against Green Bay. And the good news is, luckily, he's been playing behind a line that's been playing at a very strong level. Uh, Mitch, he's been being moved out of the pocket. He's On top of that is just extra assurance that he can throw it without having to consistently deal with pressure inside of the pocket. And let's just face it, if the Bears want to win this game, we'll need the guys up front to be at their very best. If they can't open up holes or protect Trubisky, we already know how this story would end. I know Bobby Massey is practicing. I don't want that. I'm sorry, but the starting five is the starting five for the rest of the season. I don't see any way you change that yet again. You don't touch it. It's working. Just I know someone's going to mention that, you know, Bobby Massey's practice. I don't care. <laughs> you don't you don't <laughs> rush him back. This unit is a cohesive one. They're working together. And if you move Massey back to right tackle, well, then what do you do with the Fetty? Do you move him back to right guard? Then what do you do with Alex Bars? And to me, it turns into a whole big unneeded complex issue and again we'd probably even need to get to the playoffs to have this even be a real talking point but just want to make sure it's clear the Bears fans listening I do not want to see Bobby Massey suit up again this year even if we have a deep playoff run the offensive line is who they are barring injury but what's your take of the guys up front obviously we had issues with their uh, I would say their edge last time both Smiths had a really good game against us and I still believe uh, between them and Kenny Clark uh, I'm still I'm still concerned yeah, and I think Bears fans should be, and specifically with Zadarius Smith, who has 12 and a half sacks on the season. I think that's just a guy that the Packers, you watch whatever game you're watching, you see him all over the damn place, and that's why it's so hard for any offensive line to really scheme up to block him because at any given snap, on any defensive possession, he can be on the left side going against that right tackle or the right going against the left tackle. They'll even put him stand up, right up, head up on the center. So... Whoever it is, Sam Mustafer to Charles Leno Jr. to Jermaine Defetti, they have to be ready for a guy like that. And that's what makes it so difficult. And it just seems like for some reason that Zadarius Smith, he's had some really good games against the Bears. Or really, whoever's playing Mitch, just to get him a little frazzled, right? And that's what can be concerning when when thinking about like these tackles have played well. Both, both these tackles for the Bears have played well since that Green Bay game. We can't have them go back and revert to what they were playing like um, just a month ago because that's where the complications, the internal clock for Trubisky goes up a little bit faster, and you see those mistakes that we were just talking about earlier in the podcast. So absolutely it's a concern. And what, again, the versatility of Zadarius Smith and seeing where he kind of lines up, according to Pro Football Focus, looking at the left 
Um, outside linebacker position, he has 276 snaps there. Right outside linebacker is 296. It's almost dead even to where you're going to see Zadarius, and that's why it's hard for whatever tackle is going to be seeing him throughout the game. Yep. For me, Nick, offensive line, we can talk about blocking. We can talk about them reaching the second level, and they've done a really good job with that. Uh, Mustafer and both guards, they I feel like Whitehair and Mustafer have a pretty good rapport, and obviously Bars and Mustafer go back uh, even a little bit further, and I think that chemistry does really help. Where I'm most concerned and where I believe my focus is right now is just eliminating the mistakes, the, the holdings, the penalties. It's the Packers. We already know they're going to get some favorable uh, decisions made in their direction, and you just got to be careful. Uh, and there's, we're at home. There's no fans. I don't want to see a false start. And, again, a holding can kill a drive. Uh, evident, look at the last game. We already talked about it. So, for me, that's my bigger concern. I believe they're going to be able to get push. And I mentioned I believe they can run this football. And for the most part, I believe play calling is going to help supplement and help take some of the pressure off when it comes to protecting Trubisky. So for me, eliminating the mistakes, in particular the penalties, which the Bears have done a great job at uh, since their bye week, um, it's going to be one of my big priorities up front. And I know, Nick, at this point I did put in our uh, shared notes to prepare. If you had any other Bears players in offense that you're either keying in on or that you wanted to talk about, I'm real curious where you're at because the more I thought about this game, I don't have anyone listed. I don't think you need to have a huge game from A-Rob. Obviously, that helps. We don't need this to be the Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller breakout game. This needs to be a very much selfless game. I don't care who's open on any given play. I don't care what Green Bay is taking away as long as we have a counter. I don't care who gets the touches, who gets the targets, as long as they're the right reads and the right decisions that's allowing this offense to move down the field. So for me, I don't think this is or should be about one specific player over another. I just want them to play selfless football and whatever is best for the team is good enough for me this week this is a win that's like that's the only thing this week you got to win so for me I'm not looking for any one player over the other but obviously there are some matchups out there that you may like and I'm curious if you have any that you want to discuss before I get to that well I will say one thing that I think is in the favor of the Bears and maybe to mitigate that pass rush or the pressure that Trubisky will see is that hard count that he loves to use. When you go back to one of the losses that the Packers had, it was against the Colts. It was Phillip Rivers getting the both Smiths off sides due to the hard count and just getting a lot of neutral zone infractions because they were just undisciplined. And we've seen over the course of you know this winning streak, and even prior to that, Mitch Trubisky has a he hasn't he has a knack for getting people off sides with that hard count. And obviously there's no fans or anything like that. So I think that could be a big way to put the Bears just, you know, in a better position to stay on the field. But honestly, well, when I look at this one, and it was only pr- uh, the last game that Allen Robinson really had, I would say, good success against the Packers. He had two touchdowns. Prior to the, the what, six other meetings or five other meetings, he didn't have any touchdowns against the Packers. And that is your guy. That is your That is Mitch. Like, if things break down and he's looking for somebody, you know he's looking for 12. When he makes some of those... Um, those mistakes when he's throwing the ball into what triple coverage who's usually there it's usually number 12 that he's trying to get to because he trusts that man so if uh, if he's going to be lined up against Jair Alexander on one play or what if it's Kevin King on the other side I mean I think this is a game where you know and it could be the last one you guys that we see Allen Robinson in a Bears uniform which would be so sad to see but that's the guy that I, I think needs to have a big game 
because he's probably the best way the Bears keep their offense on the field. Obviously, David Montgomery's would be second or, you know, vice versa. But that's the one guy that we know Mitch is comfortable with no matter what. <laughs> probably for better, you know, for worse sometimes on specific plays. But that's the guy where it's week 17. I think it's win or go home. You need your your best player on offense to really step up. So I'm really looking for Allen Robinson, whoever's wherever side, wherever they line him up, to have a big game. Let's hope we need it. Like you said, obviously, if you can get your number one receiver going, everything else underneath any other outlet is easy. Um, but if they can find a way to take out a Rob, then things get mightily more difficult for Trubisky. Uh, as he goes through his reads, his progression, and really how the Bears want to attack that defense. So good point there as well, Nick. But it's time to move on over to this Chicago Bears defense heading into the regular season finale. And, Nick, in my notes, I have let's work through three valid concerns. Concern number one, pass rush. It wasn't present last week against the Jaguars that were one of the lesser talented offensive lines that we've gone up against. On top of that, we had the immobile Mike Glennon under center. They only had one sack, which came from Danny Trevathan off of a blitz, and only two other quarterback hits in the game. Both came from defensive linemen. So really, Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, edge rushers were negated throughout the entire game for the Bears, at least in terms of pass rush. And the reason why that's concerning, as it is, and I think we can all know this already, but just in case we need to say it, uh, if you just look at what happened the last time the Bears played the Packers, and that's a perfect example of what happens without a pass rush because the Bears did not get a single sack. They did not register a single quarterback hit on Aaron Rodgers. They didn't get a lot of pressure. He was able to sit back, pick apart the Bears' defense. And then if the Bears, again, uh, if the Bears didn't have a sack from its defensive line or the edge in the last two meetings against Green Bay, that's actually, thank you, my notes are all messed up. The last two games against Green Bay, the Bears have not had a sack from its defensive line or the edge guys. It only came from linebackers or other people blitzing. That's a concern. So on top of that as well, we did not get him in the game last December, Aaron Rodgers. So it's been difficult for the Bears to find a way to get pressure on Rodgers lately. But on top of that, let's mark the importance one more time. If you look back at the last matchup in uh, September, uh, going all the way back to September 2019, we got Rodgers down five times, five sacks. And guess what? Green Bay only had two scoring drives for the entire game. So I think this shows you how important it can be. So needless to say, Nick, it's easy to see the difference between this defense when it can and when it cannot get to Aaron Rodgers. What are your expectations for the past rush, uh, given everything we've seen this season, Green Bay historically? Where's your head at? Honestly, Will, like looking at what this could this matchup could be, whether it's Khalil Mack on one side, Robert Quinn, or, you know, maybe Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Roquan Smith on a blitz there just hasn't been enough of it lately for me to feel really confident going into this matchup with the Packers and look if you only bring Mike Glennon down one time in a game and it comes off of a Roquan Smith blitz that's a problem like I don't remember Mike Glennon being under very much pressure even again against Minnesota the Bears did have three sacks 
one from Mack and Urban having a half a sack, and then Nichols and Robert Quinn each having one, it still felt like, I know we talked about in our post-game show, Will, where it, where was the pass rush consistently? Yes, they had three sacks on the day, but it really wasn't there. And the only outlier in this, this winning streak for the Bears is the game against Houston, where they completely went off and got all their seven sacks. And you go prior to that, Detroit only two, and that's where Matthew Stafford tore up the Bears defense. And we already know about Green Bay, like you just mentioned. So there hasn't been a lot that I've seen that I, I could say, like, Khalil Mack's going to win his one-on-ones. He hasn't really done that as of late. He's been a guy that I think has been a very good, stout run defender and obviously still impacts the game plan from the offense, the other uh, team's offensive perspective. But getting to the quarterback, it hasn't been as consistent and consistent as the Bears really needed. So when I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, who knows where to go with the ball at all times, he knows where your weakness is on the defense, and there's no pass rush, there's no there's no reason for Bears fans to feel confident. They have to try to replicate what Tampa Bay kind of did. They brought the blitz very often, and it did hit home you know, a good amount of times. It got Rodgers off his mark, but even if the Bears do that, there's no indication that it's going to have the same kind of results as Tampa Bay did and the Green Bay Packers got blown out but that's that's the that's the big concern Will like the Bears have to play their best game defensively to have a chance and I just don't know if that can happen understood and I believe you now when I look at my concerns internally I'm more concerned with the lack of pass rush the last time we played Green Bay as I am with the lack of pass rush last week. Because my hope is, and again, this is a hope, maybe this is a hunch, but Pagano knew that they didn't need to do anything fancy last week, right? It's the Jaguars. You don't need to throw stunts at them. You don't need to throw any crazy blitzes at them, uh, at least consistently. And that's why it maybe, maybe that's why it felt so basic. Because it did seem like they really kept things simple. And maybe that was purposeful because he didn't want to give away some tricks that he's been saving. Which again, at this age of the this season, those are probably very far few and in between, or which I think is most likely you're trying to set up on film some tendencies that either they can counter, they can show the same look but do something different, or uh, make Green Bay really think you're doing one thing, and then you can audible out of it quickly and then throw in those stunts, those blitzes, so maybe they get too comfortable with oh this is just going to be a. You know, just going to do a straight four-man rush. And then, actually, there's a wrinkle in there that uh, shows otherwise, whether it be Roquan coming off the edge, Matt coming in inside with Akeem going out and getting the tackle, things of that nature. I'm just hoping that he went super basic last week just to set himself up to be a little bit more out of the box, like we saw against the Texans, uh, like we saw here over the past month off and on. And he just knew that Jacksonville was an easier opponent that didn't need some of the pizzazz. Uh, that the Green Bay is going to need if we want to take them down. So that's kind of where I'm at. Obviously, we all know pass rush hasn't been what we've hoped it would be all year long. So that's I'm not saying it's going to be fixed, um, but I'm hopeful that they can counter what they put on film over the past month and find a way to execute better. And we need to remember they did not have Akeem Hicks last game, and I think that's another big key. And he's in my run notes for later about his absence. But I think it would be a disservice to him if I didn't mention that his presence was sorely missed from a pass rush perspective last time out against Green Bay as well. I just know if you had anything more to add, so I paused. I bit my tongue halfway through that one, Nick, and so I was <laughs> you like, "You know, I've done that. 
I've done that well, but I'm glad that you mentioned Akeem Hicks because it what that not only does you're losing him as a player on the field for the snaps that he, that he has to obviously play, but those other guys need to just fill in, and then the depth from you know a run stop perspective that gets worse throughout a game. And we saw what happened in the first one where they were just gaping holes through the wherever the Packers kind of wanted to run through on this Bears defense and. You have to think, now that you do have a healthy Akeem Hicks, he didn't practice today, and again, it was a walkthrough type of practice, so had they practiced, you know, he most likely wouldn't have, but just having him there, it does help the entire defense, but just from a depth perspective, I think it does as well. This guy gets sick a lot. Is it just me, or do I feel like Akeem has like a cold or an illness like a couple times a season? No, that sounds about right because it seems pretty common that you'll see that from Akeem Hicks. Right, I thought he was talking about like a few weeks ago, like having a tremendous cold, and he can, and like now it's illness again. Which twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean, obviously yep. there are different protocols for different illnesses now, but you hope it's something that it's small, it's minor. Again, it was just a prediction because it was a walkthrough today. Um, but I'm assuming he'll be ready to go, and I don't think it takes. I mean, look what Akeem hit Nick did last year, right? going up against Green Bay with an elbow that still wasn't right. So, And he yeah. was going out there getting his all. So I'm excited to see what he can do against Green Bay healthy because it's been a quite a while since we've seen Akeem against the Packers, against Aaron Rodgers, most likely you know, predominantly healthy. Obviously, at this point of the season, Nick's bruises, aches, pains, but he should be uh, full force, uh, at least full force as he has been this season. All right, let's move on to concern number two. And that's going to be the Bears' run defense. It's not the same dominant force that we once had, but it can still be effective in spurts. Uh, they're very average this season, allowing about 115 yards per game on the ground. And unfortunately, they've been carved to shreds uh, the last time that we played the Packers, where the Bears' defense allowed 182 rushing yards and nearly five yards per carry. And if the Bears want a true shot at it, they really need to be much approved against a run. They can't allow Green Bay to gash them up the gut. They need to find a way to shut it down as much as possible. The Packers getting easy yards on the ground only makes the defense's job harder, and in turn, Aaron Rodgers' job easier. And speaking of easy, it won't be easy to stop the Packers on the ground. They averaged 183 yards per game over their last three, which is the third most in the league over that span. And Nick, I'm curious uh, your thoughts about the Bears' uh, ability, inability to stop the run, or at least attempt to slow it down and I already know whenever you and I ever get confident in it, they really, really let us down. And I'm doing my best this week to not get my hopes too far up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I'm not feeling too confident in this unit. So hopefully that, you know, backfires on me. But what we didn't even see in the last matchup, who had a, a monster game last Sunday night, was A.J. Dillon, the the Packers, what was that, second round draft pick? Or for, whoever they, they drafted this guy. Um he had 21 carries for 124 yards and was trucking defensive linemen, was on Kyle Brandt's Angry Runs nominee list. And that's another wrinkle that you have to think about for this upcoming matchup between the Bears and the Packers. You know about Aaron Jones. You know about Will, Jamal Williams. So those are guys that we're accustomed to seeing. Here's another wrinkle then, just listening to some Packers reporters throughout the week. They're like, Matt LaFleur is going to try and implement some, some plays for him. And there will be drives throughout the game where this is going to be Aaron Jones' drive. This will be Dylan's drive. This will be Jamal Williams' drive. So versatile, a three-back committee that we're going to see now. And with the inconsistencies of the Bears' defense, who knows? It could be on a specific drive where one guy goes off and the holes are there. But I think the linebackers 
for for the Bears need to have a hell of a game. Like you need to be aggressive. Like we've talked about this before. I forget which game it was, Will, but they need to be the aggressors. I think it was after actually during the the Falcons game. So back to week three, where we need to see Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. They are being the aggressors going downhill as opposed to allowing this Packers offensive line, a very good unit as we all know, going up to them, meeting them maybe, what, a yard or two, uh, pass the line of scrimmage and moving these linebackers wherever they want them to go, opening up lanes. So that's going to be the key difference. If these linebackers can go downhill, fill these gaps, maybe we see that more consistent run defense. If not, they're passive and they're worrying about Aaron Rodgers passing, which makes sense, then you're in trouble. Uh-huh. Uh, no disagreements <laughs> from me uh, at all. You talked about you know meeting the linebackers a yard or two down the field. That wasn't happening last game that we played the Packers, Nick. They were meeting the linebackers about five yards downfield. Like, they had no resistance up front. So, for you're focusing on the linebackers, and I think that's very important and it's key. I'm looking at the defensive line. If they get pushed around like they did last time, then again, Akeem Hicks coming back should be a tremendous boost and a huge asset up front because – they were running it right behind the right guard consistently. And, again, that's where Akeem plays. And they're getting that five-yard push, getting into Roquan's lap, getting into Trevathan's lap. It's real difficult when you get Aaron Jones with the full head of steam, five yards uh, past the line of scrimmage. And, he, what, he starts about five, six yards back out of the shotgun most likely. So about ten yards to get up to speed. It's real hard to bring him down. So uh, defensive line maintaining their position, getting penetration into the backfield, it's all going to be needed if you want to keep those linebackers free, as well as, of course, we need to find a way to eliminate it because there are times last game where the Packers, the Bears would get a good stop on first down, whether it be a run stop or an incompletion. You're looking at like a second and 10, and Green Bay just hands it off down the middle, and they go for like a 12-yard gain. If we put the Packers in second and long and second and full, as I'm going to call second and 10, and they'll, you allow them to pick it up on the ground between the tackles, it's going to be a long day for the Bears' defense, and the results are not going to be what we want. So for me, it all starts up front. And on top of that, one thing I'll mention, and I know we don't – I think we both agree we like the defense a little bit more since his departure uh, in Buster Screen. But the, the uh, Duke Shelley is not the same run stopper or run supporter than Buster has been, and that may be one area of his game that uh, Buster would have an edge over Duke Shelley right now in his career. And I want to mention that could be vital as well if the Packers go out there in three receiver sets, put the Bears in nickel, and then start going, try to get to the edges with Duke Shelley instead of a buster screen. So to me, that could be another small wrinkle to pay attention to when it comes to the Bears' run defense. Um, but with Hakeem Hicks coming back, I'm slightly hopeful that they can slow it down. I'm not going to say stop. I don't think that's going to be possible. But slow it down and just be better than they were last time, not allowing 183 yards, but maybe just 182. That that'll definitely help the one yard there. But to, to kind of add one more point here, will with the secondary. Remember Eddie Jackson whiffing on Jamal Williams right up the middle. Like the secondary has to be a part of this tackling, whether it's a Duke Shelley out in space. But Eddie Jackson, you just expect a little bit more, and we're still waiting. Where is that turnover? Where's that interception going to come from? Uh, or it would be a great time in Week 17 against you know Aaron Rodgers would be a perfect time for him. But in tackling. We just need to see a little bit more effort there. You can't have these business decision, uh, you know, tackles and allowing these running backs to just get into the end zone without any resistance. Correct. All right, moving on to concern trace, and that's going to be how in the world did they stop Aaron Rodgers? We already hit on two ways it can be done. 
getting the pass rush moving, stopping their run, but those aren't guaranteed. So let's say there's other there's other variables at play here, which is fair. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, even if they did stop, if they did get a pass rush going or they did stop the run, that still may not even be enough. It's Aaron Rodgers, it's Bears, Packers. We know how this thing goes. The secondary, they're going to have to be uh, at their A game. They're going to need a top-tier performance in their coverage as well because the Packers do such a great job of exposing players and matchups that they like. They'll consistently force a defense's weak link to stop them. We saw that last game. Buster Screen, he allowed seven catches, and he saw about a third of all of Aaron Rodgers' throws for the entire game. So obviously they like a matchup, and they're going to find a way to force you to make an adjustment or just stop it. So Nick, when you're looking at the Bears' secondary, why do you think that Rodgers would pick him off again? And also, do you think Jalen Johnson will play? Because I'm skeptical with the did not practice designation today, even though it was an estimate. Ideally, they would have at least given him a, a limited if he was on track to at least get back this week. Yeah, well, I'm really hoping Jalen Johnson plays well because I think that it, it helps. It's going to help you in stopping Aaron Rodgers because Kendall Vildor against a Devontae Adams, who look, just looking at his snap count, where he's going to line up throughout the offense, he has 545 four snaps out wide 272 are on the left 272 are on the right so whether it's Kyle Fuller or Kendall Vildor or Jalen Johnson he's going to be everywhere but stopping Aaron Rodgers has been a like a question that I think the league has been trying to solve ever since he got into the league and he's having MVP like season so I don't know there's only been a couple times like you look at Tampa Bay that's where they really stopped him in terms of what they're what he was not able to do. He threw two interceptions, was sacked four times. Was, didn't look like the Aaron Rodgers, but he needed to be able to get that pressure. Um, Will, I just don't know. We've seen better Bears defenses, and they still haven't stopped Rodgers. This is not the best Bears defense we've seen since we, you know, we started covering the Bears or that we've just seen even before that. So that's where it gets really tough. Because um, even if things break down, the, let's say even the Packers don't have a run game on Sunday. They The offensive line is not playing as well. They have the luxury of just saying, Rodgers, go do your thing. Go score. And he'll find a way to do it. And that's what's so tough about this is that you don't need – they ne- they don't necessarily need the perfect game plan. They just have number 12. And if you have number 12 and Rodgers, you can get away with a lot of stuff. because. He- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. He's that damn good. So I don't have an answer for you how to stop him. They just need to make things difficult. I think maybe a guy like Kyle Fuller, you can't give eight yards of cushion to Devontae Adams every single time. What he did last week against the Titans, it was uh, Adoree Jackson in coverage. Same exact coverage that Kyle Fuller would play. Quick pass to a Devontae Adams turns it into six because it's already too too much cushion. So you have to, I think you have to change things that you would normally do because they're going to find the massive with Vildor. They're going to, you know, exploit things like that with off coverage. You can't confuse them with different coverages either. So it's a lose, lose, lose situation. It is. It's not. It's not an easy task. And I, I think, 
I, I can use the word stop because we've seen it happen. We've seen games where the Packers only scored 10. Problem is we only scored three. <laughs> so, again, it's, it's tough. Like, when you even do the one thing you need to do, for some reason, the other pieces don't come together. And it's just been the story of the rivalry so far. But when I look into ways how the Bears can slow him down, and the reason why I have slight hope is because when I look at the last game, a lot of the reasons why the offense for the Packers is so easy it's because it's all the Bears' own doing. The lack of effort, as you mentioned, some of the tackling, but the lack of pressure, they just got to find a way to get it done. We talked about it. I don't want to harp on it again, but if you're in the red zone or Green Bay's in a red zone and your back's against the wall and it's third down and they're at the 15, I do not want to see another instance with Aaron Rodgers having six seconds to throw that football. No secondary can cover for six seconds. Not with Devontae Adams on the field, not with Aaron Rodgers under center. It's just not going to happen. So that one's a pass rush issue, which can be fixed. And then a red zone on top of that, when they got down there again, they just kept getting fooled by Green Bay's play fakes. Uh, Green Bay, granted, they did a great job of running the ball well, which allowed them to use the play fake and the play action. But they do such a great job of when they do it, it really looks like a run play. And then on top of that, everything's moving right. You have receivers in the end zone running crossers. And then you have a slot guy sitting in the middle of the field watching what these DBs do. Are their eyes on Rodgers? Are they watching their guy? And if one jumps one way or the other, and what happened on this one I'm talking about, two guys, two DBs, saw the same guy in front of them. So they saw the motion. So their eyes went to the right, follow the guy, which allowed the Packers receiver, who was just kind of standing and hiding in all the traffic, to take two steps to his left, and it was a wide open throw. It's just so much misdirection, and Nick, I talked about it last week, and I'm going to bring my phrase back. Conflict and confusion is what Green Bay is going to bring to the table here, and on top of that, and they do it every year against us, and I want to find a way to get it done, and I believe they can, playing tighter coverage up front, like you mentioned, and if they're going to play man coverage, I hope they've been practicing passing it off if they do like any sort of rub route, because how Green Bay really got to us last time on those rub routes was doing them deep down the field. They had times where I'm watching Jalen Johnson in one-on-one coverage, and they would have a guy in the slot run out, and Jalen's guy on the outside run like a like – a, uh, I call it a deep slant. It wasn't really a post, but it wasn't really a slant, so like a deep slant, just a little bit deeper. And they do that point of conflict like six yards down the field, and Johnson, how they have the timing – with the guy running the out route first, getting deeper, Johnson has to get around him. So then he's going like eight, nine, ten yards back and having to give so much more cushion allows such an easy window underneath, and there's just no way to recover from that if you're playing man, mano y mano, and you're not passing each other off. So that's a couple ways that the Bears can maybe find a way to get it done. Um, and then on top of that, too, on top of just pressure, contain. If you get Aaron Rodgers the ability to extend the pocket and get off towards the sideline, we know he's lethal out there. There's even some plays when he's able to pick up some easy yards with his feet due to us being deep in man coverage with no pressure and us just simply losing contain on the edges and getting too narrow and everyone getting on top of each other's lap. So gap integrity, edge integrity, man coverage, maybe passing it off, and just don't be fooled on some simple misdirection. And also, if they're going to be throwing some congestion your way, you better have a plan to combat it. Not easy, Nick. None of that's easy. But it's so damn simple how Green Bay does it. It's amazing that teams at the NFL level really don't have an answer for it because they're just running slants. They're not doing anything crazy. They're just having guys rub routes and pick guys off of those routes or just make it where a guy needs to run around a receiver in order to get to his man. 
It's so. I mean, I I doubt I'll sound for my football team for next year. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but the Bears this week need to find a way to combat it, and it's it's a challenge every way you look at it. Yeah, it's a good offense to you know try to replicate there. Well, only other thing I'll add on that play that you referenced, where Aaron Rodgers had six seconds and found Devontae Adams back in the end zone. You cannot in any circumstance have Robert Quinn being a guy that has to drop back in coverage and try to initially be the guy that covers a Devontae Adams. That's just that sounds so stupid me saying that but that's what happened you can go back and watch that play it's robert quinn in coverage and of course you know you give rogers that much time and adams the the best wide receiver right now in football he's going to find a way to get open so the bears cannot do just stupid things on defense well that's the that's the thing that that, what you just said that example is all the wrong things you have the wrong guy in coverage you're giving him an easy matchup and you're not getting Aaron Rodgers when you have your edge drop back. You need more guys going after the quarterback here. So, yeah, that hit on just about everything uh, that I already said was a no-no. But, yeah, like you, Nick, you literally said my last bullet point here for the Bears and slowing down Aaron Rodgers, the Bears must throw some wrinkles their way, and they cannot allow the Packers to consistently get the matchups that they want because if you do that, you're going to get picked apart all game long the Bears need to find a way to impose their will on Green Bay and force Green Bay to alter their game plan because if you allow Green Bay Green Bay to play their game it's over before it even began and that's what my my concern is but you hope that the Bears know this if we know this they better know this and they better have a plan to combat it they've had well, a week to prepare but ideally they've had about five weeks to figure this thing out they have enough people watching film to figure out what they should do and bring it up to the coaches and then implement it so we'll see uh, how it goes, but want to move on to a uh, quick hit on special teams? Yeah, let's do it, Will. And I, really, honestly, with this one, I, I think it's just going to come down to Cairo Santos if he gets those opportunities. We know that he's capable of making all the field goals that he that he you know gets a chance at kicking, so I'm not worried about that. It's just the same old thing, honestly, for special teams. Punt returner for the Bears, and really – of both these punters, Pat O'Donnell and, for some reason, I'm forgetting the, the Packers one, he didn't have a punt last last Sunday night uh, against the Titans. And we know Pat O'Donnell's had that luxury as well. So is this going to be a game where, and we know the Bears offense has been rolling, will punting even be a, a part of the equation in this game? I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's going to be something that we'll have to watch and see. I know that Crosby also missed an extra point, I believe in the 40 to 14 victory over the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I have nothing more. I mean, Santos 24 straight. That's still tied for the franchise record for consecutive kicks made in the same season. And of course, only three kicks away from breaking the all time record of 26, which does span between for Robbie gold, the two seasons, Uh, where he was able to do that but that's a bit again our new carter he's dealing with the shoulder so who knows what they're going to be doing now yet again like you said but i think with special teams no news is probably good news for the most part status quo it's been fine Uh, obviously the bears need to eliminate some mistakes on special teams in terms of penalties uh, ball security things like that but again minor things that i i don't believe this game will come down to special teams uh if that makes sense it could i mean in terms of a field goal sure um, but in terms of, like, if the Bears average seven yards per punt return versus five or they just call fair catches, I don't think that's going to matter. Yeah, very true. Actually, one other thing I will mention, because it didn't count because of those good old refs with the Packers, there was an apparent ghostly offsides by the Tennessee Titans. It was a blocked field that. goal kick. 
Yeah, and it got returned a nice return for the Tennessee Titans, but it was flag for an offside. So that what it does, what I'm trying to point out, for especially a low trajectory, low trajectory kick. The the field condition or the conditions outside, obviously snowing doesn't help. But Crosby, that's two. We'll we'll count them down as two missed kicks from from last um, Sunday's win. But something to maybe keep an eye on if the Bears are looking to block a kick or whatever may happen there. Yeah, don't be onside which means offsides now we, we we just know how that one goes nick but i'm excited uh we're gonna jump into our x factors and i told you that we're doing these this week so who's gonna be your offensive x factor so let me go down here and scroll through my notes because i definitely have them so offensively mm-hmm. i don't have a individual but we have kind of touched on this a little bit i think the x factor for this one for the bears offense is their ability to keep this game close especially in the first half. So, again, that's going to be schematic. That's going to be players individually because the Packers are the number one team in the NFL in first-half points per game with 18.5. And opening drives, the Packers have scored eight touchdowns and four field goals to start games to compare to two three-and-outs and a fumble. So the Bears – or the Bears. The Packers start off quick, and they usually end with touchdowns right when they get the football. So can – the Bears offense match what Green Bay's doing so we can they could stick to their game plan like we were talking about earlier. And I think if they could do that and get this game going to the fourth quarter being a close game where the Packers are 26 in fourth quarter points per game with 6.2, that might be a way for the Bears to come out with a victory here. And we all know the Bears are they are pretty good at scoring in the fourth. But here's the thing. The Packers usually don't have to score in the fourth because the game's already wrapped up for them. And the 12 wins they have... They also have kneeled down 12 times. So they wrapped it up. They took care of business. But I think the game plan or the X factor, can the Bears just stay or keep up, go toe-to-toe with what the Packers are doing offensively? So then when you get into the later part of the game, and if it's close, you can still run your offense, run the ball with David Montgomery, not feel like you're pressured into passing, maybe going prone or prone to having Mitch Trubisky make mistakes. That, I think, will be a huge one. But, like I said, the Packers are pretty damn good at scoring the ball right when they get it. They sure are. It's a really good one. I like that a lot. For me, when I'm looking at X-Factor, at least offensively, I feel like there's some easy ones and some obvious ones. But it doesn't mean it's incorrect. I'm going David Montgomery uh, and his ability. I know the offensive line, honestly, may be the biggest X-Factor just because we can live or die by their ability, like I mentioned, to either open up holes or protect Trubisky. Um, so you can look at that as one. But I do believe that David Montgomery's production is going to be the engine that can keep this offense going. Uh, so for me, I don't want to get too far into it. Uh, just looking already an hour into this show, and we have a lot to go. But it could be our final one, so I'm okay with that. But uh, for me, David Montgomery, I think, uh, is, like I said, he's the engine. He's that motor oil, keeps everything smooth and operational. And if he's unable to get going, just looking at the Bears roster, I don't have a lot of faith in Cordero or Patterson, who may not even be fully healthy right now. Artavis Pierce, sure, he had a good run or two, but doesn't mean he can be someone he can turn to to hand it off consistently. Uh, so for me, it's, there's a lot riding on number 32. But luckily, he's been hot, and we need him to continue that hot streak. How about you for the Bears defense? Quick X Factor? Quick X Factor, and I think it has to be Khalil Mackwell. I mean, we've seen what he can do to impact the game against the Packers. We saw that in his first game he ever put on in a Bears uniform. But he just, like we've mentioned earlier, he hasn't been that same guy. He needs to get Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable and win those one-on-one matchups if and when he does get them throughout the game on Sunday. But 
Easily he's the X Factor because we know he can impact and change a game. I'm going to be nice because I bet you one of my X Factors can double as your backbreaker. So I'm going to go a different direction. I'm looking to that interior defensive line because they had a very horrendous game last time out. I'm going to go right back to Akeem Hicks. Because, again, we have not seen Akeem play the Packers healthy since week one, 2019. And Akeem Hicks healthy is a big boost for this Bears defense. And you know how much this rivalry means to him. You better believe getting back to the playoffs, how much it means to him. And I do not want to be in front of that man or in his way with a mission in front of him. So for me, I bet you Akeem Hicks is going to prove yet again why he is in many ways one of the most valuable players on this Bears defense. We talk about it way too much, yet maybe not enough. That's just how special Akeem Hicks is to this defense, but he'll be my X Factor here this week. And of course, speaking of X Factors, the ones that make a huge difference for our show are the listeners that have supported our podcast with their generous donations. Nick, I didn't get anything come through PayPal, so I don't get any shout-outs, but do you have any shout-outs to give out, and do you want to let people know how they can get a shout out on our next show i was gonna say our next preview show but we don't know if that's gonna be the case yeah we don't know if that's gonna be the case and i didn't have any donations come in either will so for maybe this being the last one and maybe if there are some donations that come from here until sunday we can do it then just in case if that is in fact our well, how last about this one. real quick lance fletcher in this show did give us a ten dollar super chat i saw come in i jotted it down Ooh. in my notes so let's just give Lance a shout-out here right now. Lance, if you're still here listening live, thank you so much for your generous support of our show. Obviously, it means a lot to both Nick and myself, and uh, I know you put some really kind words about the effort we put in, our consistency, and just how much we've helped you enjoy this season. And I'm just glad to be a part of your Bears fandom experience throughout this year, and I can't wait to do uh, another season here with you. And, again, we're here all off-season as well. We're not going anywhere anytime soon, but really – uh, just um, it takes me back a bit just to see how much our show can mean to some people. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, Lance. I mean, look, we know that these these Bears fans are a very passionate fan base. So whether or not this season ends on Sunday, we'll be back and we'll be covering this team throughout the offseason, draft time, all that. So, again, thank you to you and all the passionate Bears fans that have just continually supported this show throughout the years and it's really been an awesome you know just to see where everybody's at in terms of uh their our, our listeners but if you want to get a shout out on the next podcast we'll just leave it at that here's how you can make that happen you can send us a donation through venmo at the chicago audible or paypal at www.chicagoaudible.com slash paypal every all those donations go to help this make this podcast run and you know whether it's the equipment the the recording software whatever it may be that yeah, really does help us out. And again, you get a shout out on the podcast, which is listened to by tens of thousands of Bears fans all over the world, which is awesome to see. Absolutely. All right, Nick, it's time to find out who, wait, not who has the edge. We need to come out with our backbreakers. I almost got ahead of myself. That's how many notes I have in front of me right now. So let's get into our back breaking matchups we're gonna go offense first which means that's time for me i'm going with mitchell trubisky versus darnell savage savage had those two picks against us the last time out he also has two more to his credit in his last four games and as we know players for green bay and their secondary tend to like to make our quarterbacks pay for some mistakes so for me i've already mentioned this i don't want to get too deep into the woods yet again but for mitch 
and Darnell Savage. Mitch needs to find a way to make sure that Savage does not alter the game in any negative way. And if he does go on Allen Robinson and A-Rob is covered, don't test it. Let's look for another option. I don't want to see another multi-interception game from Darnell Savage. He's been uh, a pretty big bright spot for their secondary, one of the more tougher guys in coverage. So keep an eye out for him back there at safety, kind of roaming around and don't allow him to kill a promising drive. We saw that happen too many times the last time out. And if it happened again, uh, that will break the Bears back. So for me, that's going to be my offensive backbreaker. So Nick, switching gears over to you, what's your backbreaker for this Bears defense? I'm so curious. Yeah, I think you had it probably as your X factor, but gave me a you know a chance to say it here. It's going to be Kendall Vildor versus Devontae Adams. Well, and that is assuming that Jalen Johnson can't give it a go on Sunday, in which all Bears fans should be hoping that he can. Um, look, just even last week in Kendall Vildor's second start against Mike Lennon, Vildor was targeted seven times, gave up five receptions, 56 yards, a touchdown, and 134.5 NFL passer rating against. That's Mike Lennon. That's not Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you guys. So, And if we see this matchup, and the Bears don't like to switch their corners, they're not going to shadow Devontae Adams. That's not what Kyle Fuller's really ever done. That's what and They're not going to, I don't think, drastically change their game plan to do so in Week 17. So it's going to be Kendall Vildor against Devontae Adams or you know whoever they line up on that side. But Bears fans should be hoping they can get Jalen Johnson his 15 pass breakups, which is tied for fifth most in the league back on the field for Sunday. Would you still have this matchup for Johnson if you if you thought he was going to play? Again, we don't know, and you can go, and we're just kind of projecting here. It is only Wednesday. The Bears only did a walkthrough. There's not a lot to really grasp at here, and the only thing we can look at is Johnson's lack of availability the last couple of weeks. But I'm just curious if, say, it came out today that Johnson was limited or a full participant. Would you have gone with Johnson versus Adams, or would you kind of shift and look at a Duke Shelley then? I'm just curious. You know, I think, honestly, it would have still been, maybe it would have been even, honestly, Kyle Fuller uh, against Devontae Adams because, like I said earlier in the podcast, he lines up on the left and right side and the outside of the formation the equal amount of times, 272. So I, both those guys are going to be tested throughout the game, but it just makes sense for the Packers. Like, let's go against a fifth-round draft pick and see how many yards and how we can exploit them, honestly. Well, they're both fifth-round draft picks, Vildor and Shelley. Different years, though, so that's that's another one. But Vildor, he does allow, unfortunately, the team high in pass rating this year at 138.5. Uh, Duke Shelley actually allows the second-lowest rating this year, though, Nick. Just want to point that out at 100.5. Uh, so we'll see. Again, any given Sunday. And, of course, uh, if Aaron Rodgers wants to make Duke Shelley look poor, I'm sure he can find a way to get it done. Uh, so very big matchups here in the secondary. Uh, it's going to be real tough. I think the PBUs, though, Nick, is the biggest one for me uh, because Johnson does have so many, and Vildor and Shelley have been a, they've had a hard time getting those. And it's not that they can't get their hand on the ball. like They can physically do that. But I think they're being so cautious with these guys and making sure that they do have enough cushion. They're just staying too far off of the receivers. They don't, they don't have the confidence yet to be really hip-to-hip to be in a position to get some of these PBUs, which could be the most damning sentence that we said all previous show. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Will, but we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. But, yeah, I'm not feeling too confident, though. All right, and now it's time to find out who has the edge. And, Nick, you're, you're up first, man. Bears running attack versus that Packers run defense. 
Yeah, well, so what I was doing, just compiling all the stats for this category, I'm like, which way am I going to go with this? The guy that's hot, obviously, with David Montgomery and having, what, 529 rushing yards over the last five games and just being a very dominant force or a Packers defense that has been better at stopping the run since that last meeting against the Bears. And ultimately, I chose the Bears in this one having the edge because I think that offensive line is much improved with Sam Mustafer, Cody Whitehair, and Alex Bars in the interior. But I think that this game won't get out of hand as quickly as it did last time. So you can actually run the ball a little bit more. And we'll see David Montgomery do what he's been doing over the last month, just dominate opposing defenses. So the edge does go to the Bears here. Okay. Going over to me, I'm going to finish up this Bears offense with their passing attack versus this Packers pass defense. And look, the Bears passing attack, it's been very hot as of late. We know that. There's really no denying it. But the bad news is Green Bay's defense is a very tough test in every way imaginable. This week will tell us everything that we needed to know about this passing attack and really just how improved it is. But you already know that the Packers will do their best to force Trubisky to play with a pocket and force Trubisky to beat them. And I put in my notes, the hard way. Uh, and I'd be really curious to see if the Bears can continue to play their style this week. I hope so, because it works. But I do expect Green Bay to do everything possible to force Trubisky to do it within the pocket, which may make this much more difficult. But I know Green Bay ranks really well against the past, especially over this last few games since we've played them, Nick. But really, who have they faced? We have... Tannehill last week in the snow, Bridgewater, Stafford, which we know he can have production, and then they have a combination of Wentz and Hurts. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's a little bit there for critical skepticism about the quality of the opponent they're playing. We do it for us in our offense. Why not do the same for their defense? And I feel like, again, when I look back at the last game, the Bears were able to move the ball better than we remember. The, the unfortunate part were the mistakes and getting down so early kind of soured some of that offensive progression that we saw from this unit. There were missed opportunities on promising drives. They got too aggressive when they didn't really need to just yet. So I think if they can find a way to play like they have over this win streak, I really do think they can move the ball through the year. And you know what, Nick? This is Mitch's moment. I do have the Bears winning of this game. So I'm going to have Mitch's back here. I'm going to have Bill Lazor's back. I'm going to have this offensive line's back. And I'm going to give the Bears the edge here by a slim margin. But I'm going to trust that what my eyes have been showing me, both from the win streak as well as that last Packers game, I'm going to trust that the Bears can move the ball effectively through the air. And as long as this game's close, they, it should at least feel substantive. Because last time it just it felt like we had – so much negativities towards what we saw from the mistake standpoint, the defensive standpoint. We didn't really even realize at the time that this offense was showing signs of progression, blossoming. And we saw it previous weeks after the fact, but that was a game where everything kind of just started. And I'm excited to see how much it can come full circle and to see how much growth has actually taken place since that last meeting. So slight edge here, but we'll see how it all kind of pans out. But we have to switch over to the Bears defense now. And I think this is where things get much more difficult. Uh, the Bears run defense versus that Packers rushing attack. I drew that short stick this week, and <laughs> it's just tough sledding. Uh, Aaron Jones, he's averaging seven yards per carry over three of his last four. Jamal Williams, I know he's dealing with an injury, but he may be back. And A.J. Dillon, he ran for 124 yards last week. And I mentioned earlier, 
the third best rushing attack over the last three weeks are the Green Bay Packers. And all of those defenses, though, that they play uh, rank 16th or worse against the run. So, like, okay, maybe they're playing mediocre average teams. But the Bears rank 15th. So we're right there as well. So it's one of those where you don't know how it's going to shake out. And you would hope with everything up for grabs, we'll see some high motor smash mouth football in the trenches for the Bears. And I know there's potential for the Bears to stop Green Bay on the ground, but I cannot sit here on this podcast and clearly state that they have the edge. We've been burned way too many times when we've given them the edge in this regard all season long. The Bears have allowed 108 or more in three of their last five. The 182 in the ground that they gave up to Green Bay last time still remains a season high, so this is still the offense that they had the most issue with when it comes to uh, stopping the the run. So for me, it's going to be up to Pagano to see what kind of adjustments he makes to ensure it doesn't happen again, how much the effect Akeem Hicks' return will have, but I don't know if it's enough, so I'm going to give the Packers the edge, but I won't be mad if this is a week where the Bears can throw a wrench into our edge moment here and prove us wrong but I can't sit here and honestly say that the Bears front defense has the edge looking at what the Packers have been able to do and the struggles for the Bears in this regard it's just unfortunately an impossible task so Packers have the edge here and now you have the Bears secondary pass rush everything involved with that pass defense versus Aaron Rodgers and that passing attack Nick and I think we all know where this one is leaning yeah, well, if you thought that was impossible, this is, I, I don't even know what would be the step above that. But look, Aaron Rodgers has been playing just out of his mind. And it's, look, the last five games, he's only missed 37 passes. So he's had 113 completions, 100 out of 150 attempts, 15 touchdowns to one interception. And what he's done historically against the Bears, he's 20 and 5, including the playoffs, 51 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. His worst quarterback rating, Will, was in the NFC Championship game where he threw two interceptions, no touchdowns, and the Packers still won. So even when he plays at his worst, and we even mentioned that earlier in the podcast, Will, it doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers finds a way, and Devontae Adams, no one stopped him all season. He has 17 touchdowns. Where's the number 17? It's like you just can't stop this offense right now. and it, It doesn't... You could take away... Let's say somehow... On God's green earth, they take away Devontae Adams. Marquez Vandal, uh, Scantling will find a way to get yards on you. They'll use Aaron Jones and Jamal Murray out of the backfield to also get yards. And Aaron Rodgers will just do his thing. Tanyan, the tight end, what, has eight or nine touchdowns on the season. It's like there's so many ways that they can pick apart a defense. And if you don't have a pass rush and you have a fifth-round draft pick and killed Novildor on the outside and a sixth-round draft pick, Will, and Duke Shelley at the nickel cornerback position, you're going to get exposed. So that will be – that. I think that's what this game's going to come down to. If the Bears can pressure Rodgers, which we don't think is very likely, and so I'm just going to give the edge to the Packers' passing offense. So what are you doing, spot-checking me from previous years' mid-to-late-round draft picks to ensure that my fifth or my sixth-round assumption was incorrect, huh? No, well, I knew he was a sixth-round draft pick, so when I heard it, like, okay, I'll have to come back here. But <laughs> it's the whole Duke Shelley thing. I know too much about Duke Shelley that I should, but yes. <laughs> That's fair. That's uh, fine. I can handle it. Uh, honestly, I'm okay with not knowing all those details all the time <laughs> off the top of my head. All right, Nick, it's time to continue on. It's time to get into our prediction section here. So from who has the edge to, what's your bold prediction? Yeah, for this one, it was tough. I'm like, has 
something not happening between this rivalry and I couldn't really find anything so the bold prediction because both of these offenses are red hot I think this game is going to start off with three straight scoring drives for each team both having two touchdowns and a field goal to start off this game so no punts so both these punters are going to get a nice relaxed first half or yeah first half and then we'll see what happens in the second half but each offense is going to match each other two touchdowns and a field goal to start off this game okay uh i have one it's a compounding bold prediction i really hope it doesn't come back to put too much pressure on this bears offense i think you put a lot on them anyway just that right there uh, i'll say they can convert on over 50 percent of their third downs in this game as well as score touchdowns on 75 percent of red zone trips and obviously in order to do that you need to reach the red zone four times uh, so lots of movement from this offense and my secondary one i think last week i did like five so i feel okay with doing two this week two touchdowns for cole Komet because jimmy graham had two last week and now the young rookie wants to uh, show the vet uh, you know he can do it too uh, so that's just a quick fun one for me um but yeah nick just like you it's for i i had a hard time coming up with a bold one that was unique but also every time i put one down i'm like you know, I would rather not chance it. I'd rather that player have a decent game <laughs> instead of like a really high bar. And I, I don't want to chance it. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But Nick, let's. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Let's continue on here. Let's find out uh, who we each predict to be uh, this week's, uh, again, perhaps the final game of the year, the MVB. Uh, Obviously, there are some easy ones. You can look at David Montgomery, A-Rob. I think we've been sticking to them lately. Um, but I'm real curious, Nick, who will be the MVB? Obviously, we know you're leaning Packers for the end result. But in that effort, I was almost going to say put the L word there, and I don't believe it, so I'm not going to use it. In that effort, who do you think will be the most valuable bear? Yeah, I think it's going to be, if the Bears have a chance in this one, it's going to be because going to be because of david montgomery and that rushing attack that's the way that you can keep aaron Rodgers off the field if you're running the ball effectively and just getting good yardage out of david montgomery and look the bears have relied on him since that game against the packers what why get away from that it just doesn't make any sense but if they are truly going to keep this competitive it's gonna be because of david montgomery so i'm going with him as the mvp okay i like it a lot i'm going defense of coordinator and we're going to go with Chuck Pagano here. He's coaching for his job, which in this stage of his career, I don't know if it – I hope it matters to him. I hope he takes pride in his work that he's doing each and every week and what he's doing here in Chicago. And this is the week where I think we need to see him come out of his shell, come up with a game plan to stop this offense, don't allow them to impose themselves on us, play their game, pick apart, expose whatever matchup that they would like, whether that is – uh, the nickel, whether that's Vildor, whether that's a finding a way and seeing the Bears coverage, knowing what they're in, and putting like, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Devontae Adams. There we go. It was escaping me. I can't wonder. I always want to do Aaron Jones, and for some reason, those two names always merge in my head. But getting Adams on someone like a Danny Trevathan. Like we saw that last game, too, because the Bears are playing a zone, which, again, 
interesting strategy. I mean, you can't always play man, but they know they do such a good job of knowing what the bears are running. All right. Well, Danny's responsible for this third of the field. Let's throw our best playmaker there and have him go catch him. It's an easy strategy. And what we need to find out with Chuck Pagano's job potentially on the line, can he get it done? Can he find a game plan to slow down this Packers offense? It's not going to be easy, but if he doesn't do this, it's going to go the way, Nick, you're thinking, and it could get ugly yet again. So I'm hopeful Chuck Pagano has a game plan, and I am putting him for my MVP choice because hopefully things won't be nearly as easy as it was the last time out. All right, Nick. Now this is usually when we find out, hey, who do you think is going to win? But we already know. What's going to be the final score? We have to put that down as well. At the end of the day, you have the Bears losing, but by how much and how much? And obviously you have the team scoring a lot, unless your bold predictions aren't reeling into your real predictions this week. Well, they do have score. They do. They are going to score a lot, but my score still factors in having the bold prediction maybe come true. But I have the Bears, like like Will said, I do have the Bears losing, and I have them losing just by a field goal, Will. 30-27. to 27. Every single game for the last, what, 10 games, it's been close between these two teams. The only outlier, I think, was 2014 or 2013 where the Bears, uh, I think it was a 38-17, to 17, yeah, loss. So every other game has been decided by 10 or fewer points. So it's, I think it's going to be a close game this time. But the Packers are just having one of those seasons, well, where... I don't want to see them hold the Lombardi Trophy like that. That would just make me sick and all Bears fans sick to their stomach. But in a must-win situation, are you trusting the Bears to, to really get over get the monkey off their back, which is the Green Bay Packers? That's why I wrote the article that I did today, and I just don't see it happening. So 30-27 to 27 Packers. Interesting score. I have the Bears winning, as we, we know, throughout this episode by a field goal. I have 31-28 Bears. So we're very much on that same spectrum, expecting the same type of game. It's just a matter of who can get that extra possession, who can hold that time of possession to make sure you're the last offense on the field. And I know we did we mentioned it a little bit in passing, but the Bears have improved in penalties uh, called against since the bye. They had 58 penalties in the first eight games, only 29 penalties called against in their last seven games. So I know there's a lot of Packers fans here in our live chat. So as long as they, you guys can get out of the Venmos of the referees for us this week, uh, perhaps <laughs> we can actually have a fair game here. So that's where I'm at, 31-28 Bears. I'll give more reasons why in my final thoughts on top of the hour plus we've been talking. Um, but, Nick, how confident are you in this game? Obviously, with it being a loss in your eyes, you're south of a five. But how far, how low did you go? With this one, Will, I think if it was any other opponent for a must-win and you're in, I feel good about that game. But this is the Green Bay Packers, Will, so I'm at confidence like a three. It's just not – it's 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 really the team. It's the team and how they're playing, how Rodgers is playing. The MVP, most likely going to be the MVP of this league when it's all said and done, is playing right now. So the Bears can have the the best game plan that they've had all year. And they'll still find a way to lose. Like I mentioned, their worst game against that Aaron Rodgers ever had, the Packers still won that game. It's like they just find a way. And that's what's so frustrating, as Bears fans know. But, yeah, I'm at a three in the confidence. And, gosh, I hope I'm so wrong. I hope I'm so wrong. But that's where I'm at, Will. 
I know you haven't been wearing a lot of like Bears stuff on the show. Did you wear the Bears hat purposefully because you have them losing this week? I did. I just wanted to make sure people know where I'm at. And obviously, like if you could see my background at times, you know I'm a Bears fan. And it's just it's this damn team, the Green Bay Packers. We as we all know. Yeah, you said it best. It's a monkey on our back. It has been for over a decade, and the Bears need to find a way to get it done. And for your purposes, Nick, I'm only at a 5.4. So, like, I'm just just over the cuff enough to, to win this thing. But we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm excited to share some more reasons why in just a moment. But first, what are your final thoughts as we kind of wrap up this episode? Yeah, for, for this one, I honestly just want to see a a fair game, honestly. Look, uh, and not that penalties ever should be a thing that we're like, oh, that's why the Bears lost. No, the Bears are losing that that first meeting in Green Bay regardless of penalties. Yep. But when you get a face mask and there's a fumble return for a touchdown and it doesn't get called, what's going on? And even the Packers' last game against the Tennessee Titans, uh, Aaron Jones didn't step on the line, and when there's a ref looking at that, just a clean and also fair game for both sides. And honestly, my, my final thoughts, like if this is our last preview show, Will, Man, we've been through a hell of a season, and I hope that we can continue this next week. But Bears-Packers, Week 17, Bears win, they get in. I mean, honestly, what could you you couldn't write it up any better. It's just we all we've all seen this movie one too many times, and we usually know what the, the ending is like. But we'll have to wait and see what what this latest one's gonna look like on Sunday. I mean, I'm here hoping for like the alternate ending that you can put on. <laughs> like that's what we're hoping like oh let's see if how it could have ended uh, a, a little bit differently nick i need to give you some history lessons or just a reminder of the year that we've had uh this is a chicago bears team they are the first team in nfl history to win two games in the same year that they were losing by 16 points or more in the fourth quarter and they did that in a span of three weeks this is the bears offense uh the first one since 1965 to score 30 points in four straight weeks and this came after they were one of the worst offenses for the vast majority of this season this is an offense that couldn't gain 50 yards on the ground uh in a game to one that now can get over 100 yards on a consistent basis uh, this is a team that has rallied now after losing six straight to win their next three which puts them in this spot to begin with this is a team that has a head coach that has learned some humility which has enabled this team to improve and probably even saved his job this is a team, Nick, that throughout this entire season, neither you or I, besides one game, which actually was against the Packers, has seen them actually give up. Uh, this is a team that has persevered. They have overcame insurmountable odds. They've won games that they've had less than a 1% chance of winning at one point or another. Uh, this is a game, a team that just a few weeks ago wasn't even in the hunt for some people's playoff pictures, but now they're in contention of making the playoffs. Uh, this is a team that had to clawed its way back to contention. They perform and play very well with their backs against the wall. This is a team that's proven it can will itself to win. This is a team that I don't think will back down. They'll put up a hell of a fight. And this is a team that can, and I, again, I'm predicting will beat the Packers. It's been, in many ways, such a roller coaster year. And this is a team that, if they show me one thing, is that they care and they want to win. Now, there's a lot of issues that we've had to work through. And, you know, a, a benching of a quarterback, him coming back in, the offense figuring things out. The offensive line, they had to get shuffled a million times to get it right. And as much as we wish it could have been figured out training camp, getting into the season, it wasn't. And they had to go through some growing pains. But I think they're better for them. And I hope that we can demonstrate. Unfortunately, it's going to be mostly a nationally broadcast game there with that flex schedule to the country, to the world, that we're here. We got the, we, hey, we got last week, Nick, we got the third quarter monkey off our back. 
So, no, I know the third quarter monkey is not the same as the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers monkey, but one off, maybe you can shrug off another one as well, but we'll see. Again, it's going to be a very tough task, but I'm very excited to see how the Bears respond to this moment. And it's going to be a defining moment for, like I said, Mitchell Trubisky and really, Nick, the nucleus of this Bears team and who they are and what they can end up evolving into, either being disbanded and redo or one that can stick together and maybe makes things more interesting now. Again, this is the final few minutes of the fourth quarter. This is a team that's proven it can come back late in games. So if we're looking at the season as a game, this is right. I guess if you look at week one, too, is a perfect – I know Don Burr's in the chat, so he'll know. This is a perfect microcosm of how the season started. It's where it started to end to uh, as well. But do you have any rebuttal or anything else that you want to say before we sign off? No, it was really well said just with all like the stats bringing it up because this Bears team has made some history throughout this crazy 2020 NFL season. So you have to factor that in there and – we're just hoping that this is a competitive game because we've seen what it's looked like the other way around in their first meeting that they had a month ago at Lambeau Field. So, like you said, going back to how this show even started, I'm excited, I'm anxious, and we'll, we'll be there throughout the course of the game on Sunday to do you know the live stream there, which everyone should tune into because it could very well be our last one of the 2020 NFL season. It really could be. Again, we'll be. it's a great reason if you're listening to us on a podcast and you want to watch the game with us, we'll be live watching the game like we have. Uh, the Bears are so far doing some good things when we're doing these live streams. And, uh, of course, it's, uh, it's fun to watch these with you, Nick. And, honestly, I'm really excited and nervous to see what kind of reactions we're going to have uh, throughout this game as well. But it's a great way to subscribe to our channel, uh, or a great reason to, I should say. Um, but then of course, if you're not, you're just going to wait for the post game show. The next time that we'll be behind a mic will be as soon as the final whistle blows on Sunday. Will the Bears find a way to make my prediction right and beat the Packers? Will they make the playoffs? We'll be doing some scoreboard watching as well throughout that Sunday afternoon, or will the season be over just like that? I know what I'm rooting for. And Nick, I know even though you went one way, I know what you're rooting for as well. But until whatever fate awaits us on the other end, bear down, Chicago. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease.